This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 275. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today, this day before Thanksgiving Day, by Jacob Paulson, who is in a remote location. And I don't know how this... Thanks, Riley. Glad to be here. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to go today, as far as... uh... (laughs) He doesn't have probably the most ideal audio, and I don't have the most ideal internet connection, but we're going to do our best to get through this today. So, uh, we're going to move right along. Today's uh, episode is uh, our news episode for the week. Um, and then our second episode this week will be a, a playback of an interview we did. Now, many of you have not heard this. It'll be an interview we did from the USCCA Concealed Carry Expo. And it uh, should be a good one. But um, anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, today's episode is made possible and brought to you by our annual Guardian Nation Black Friday sale. And I'm going to hand it over to Jacob to spill the beans, give us the details, because he's been working hard putting together this awesome sale. Um, it is awesome, actually. Thanks. So here's the short and sweet of it. The timeline, our Black Friday sale goes live at 12 a.m. Black Friday Eastern time. So that would be... 9 p.m. on Thanksgiving if you're on the Pacific Coast and you know somewhere in the middle if you're in one of the other two time zones. And when it goes live, it goes live. And there are four like major big deal doorbusters. Um, the Allen Company Arsenal handgun range backpack, pretty sweet. The Viridian Long Range Illuminator, the Olight PL2 weapon mounted light, and the AR500 quick deployment IFAC. All four of those 75% off. So short of it is like you're going to want to be on this. Just go to concealedcarry.com forward slash black friday all one word and you get to the sales page you can see all the different things there's there's like 60 other deals on there that are anywhere from you know 30 percent off to 70 percent off uh pretty pretty hot stuff but i guess you should know i should disclaim that you must be a member of guardian nation in order to access the sale though every year when we do this we got plenty of people who join guardian nation for one month and just you know because they figure 38 dollars and 45 cents is one month membership fee they're going to save more than 40 bucks on these deals. So we hope, of course, that you'll join and stick around for all the other benefits year, year round. But it's worth joining Guardian Nation just to get access to the sale. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, seriously, uh, 75% off. Uh, we, we don't do this to really make any money. <laughs> this is our way of giving back to Guardian Nation members. Uh, so if you're not a Guardian Nation member, this would be a perfect time to join and take advantage of this sweet sale because some of the things we're, we're selling here that Jacob just mentioned, you you cannot, you will not, I'm, I'm positive that you, you will not find these things anywhere else, anywhere close to the prices that we'll have them for. So uh, these are, in fact, I think all of our doorbusters, Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong, they're all below cost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, way below cost. I mean, in some cases, the company is losing, you know, the vendor is losing money on this. Uh, but they, you know, they see it as a, an opportunity to get their name out there and, and get exposure to their brand. These are good products. I mean, these are these are big names. Allen Company. These guys have been around for a very long time. They, they're everywhere. They're in all, you know, they're in Dick's Sporting Goods and Cabela's. Viridian. I mean, they, that's a name that equals quality. They, you know, they're awesome. AR500, Olight. So you know, these are these are these are big brands. These are really nice products, and uh, yeah, you'll never ever get this kind of a deal on these products ever again, guaranteed. Yep. That's awesome. 
Crazy stuff. Uh, and, and I can't believe, by the way, you just said Dick Sporting Goods. I don't care if they're in Dick Sporting Goods, but uh, anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that point. <laughs> Merely trying to pour, give some credibility to the brand. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, so. Sportsman's Warehouse. Okay, they're in Sportsman's Warehouse. They're also in uh, Walmarts. You see Allen Company stuff everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah, big company. It's a big company. And these bags, uh, these are kind of like the GPS Outdoor Handgunner Backpack. Uh, it's Allen Company's kind of version of that, and they're they're pretty dang awesome. So, <clears throat> if you are unable to get one of those handgunner backpacks, if you are unable to afford one of those because they are a little bit more expensive, the uh, the handgunner ones are. Uh, the Allen Company bag is really really great. It's a perfect range bag, and I mean I think these things are going to fly off the shelves uh, come Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, 10 p.m. Mountain time, midnight Eastern time is when the sale goes goes live. You can check it all out if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob. Concealedcarry.com forward slash Black Friday would be where you can go and preview this, yep. right? Yep, all one word. Yep. So concealedcarry.com forward slash Black Friday. You want to check out uh, preview the sale and see what we got going on. That's where you'll find it, and uh, also that's where you you'll get access to the actual sale when it goes live. So <clears throat> anyway. And, and I'll add, you know, the sale goes all the way through Cyber Monday. So if you're listening to this right now and you think you missed Black Friday, go to the website anyway. And a lot of those deals are probably still available all the way through Monday night. And thank you for that clarification because that, that is true. That is important. That, yes, the doorbusters and everything, I mean, yes, the sale goes live Thanksgiving night. Uh, I suspect the doorbusters will go very fast. But then we have tons of other great sales. Still other products that are, what, 40%, 50% off in some cases. Uh, throughout the weekend and yeah as much as 70% off yeah yeah there you go so we still have tons if you don't get one of those awesome doorbusters we still have tons of great products and options available for you so anyway go check it out concealedcarry.com forward slash black friday all right jacob let's jump into the news we got a lot to cover first up we have a story i've been seeing this all over the place this week all kinds of rage i would say from uh, social media posts and, and twitter and whatnot uh rage against the the representative from California. This is Representative Eric Swalwell, uh, who tweeted out a few days ago, about last Thursday, I think it was, he tweeted out saying, uh, in response to someone talking about, uh, uh, you know, they were concerned about more gun takeaways or confiscations or gun control laws in general, and they kind of suggested something about, you know, you, d- you don't want to start this kind of battle sort of thing. Well, this is Representative Eric Swalwell's response via Twitter. He, he typed out, and it would be a short war, my friend. The government has nukes, too many of them, but they're legit. I'm sure if we talked, we could find common ground to protect our families and communities. This is quite the uh, inflammatory uh, tw- tweet, Jacob. Uh, first of all, he says, hey, short war, short war man, we have nukes, <laughs> as if he would, as if, and by the way, as if he as representative has any sort of power over the nuclear arsenal, but uh, hey, we have nukes, we'll use the nukes, and it'll be a short war. Oh, by the way, I want to find common ground and talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, this sounds like it was almost in jest, right? Like, if you if you think as an American citizenry that you can you'll go to war with the government because you own guns too, like, you'll lose that battle because, you know, we got more power like nukes. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's some, somewhat serious, maybe it's somewhat in jest, maybe, maybe it's some of both, right? Uh, either way, I, <laughs> if the government starts nuking its own citizens, you know, that, that seems 
that seems both like far from where we are right now and completely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I agree. I, I don't think he is dead serious about using nukes against this country's citizens uh, over a battle over the second amendment. But as you follow these different tweets and different exchanges that went on over a period of a couple of days there, it becomes quite clear that Representative Swalwell is anti-gun and that he would be totally okay with just banning guns. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the point. The point is, hey, we got an extreme tweet that's raised a lot of eyebrows, but the main takeaway is, Listen, like if you if you think that there aren't politicians out there that just legitimately fully want to repeal the Second Amendment and ban and confiscate all guns, you're wrong. Here's one. Yeah, I, you know, I saw an interesting exchange online the other day between some two of my friends uh, on a post that I had made, and a friend of mine that is, you know, I respect the heck out of him. He's he's you know he's a little more liberal than probably most of my other friends, and uh, yeah, I think he's generally pro gun, but at the same time is not entirely in line with probably the rest of uh, you know most of us at least that I that I associate with. Um, I stayed out of that exchange, but <laughs> they were really going back and forth to kind of talk about this idea of the slippery slope concept. And his point was there is no slippery slope. And my other friend was like, "No, there is." And he was trying to point out some examples and stuff. And I, I slope slippery slope, what or not? If you don't like the term, I don't care. But uh, what we do know is that. Little by little, these the people like Representative Swalwell will try to take more and more aspects of the Second Amendment away from the citizens. And so we're going to see that in some other stories. In fact, we talked quite a bit last week in the podcast after the election and, and the result, the kind of the results of all of that, uh, as far as I think we're going to be seeing quite a bit of movement against the Second Amendment in a variety of states. And, and also on the national level, although the national level, we still kind of have that checks and balance in place as far as the Senate and the President Trump probably are not going to sign a lot of the things or, or agree with a lot of the things that the House are probably going to try to push forward now. Uh, but more importantly, I think we need to be in tune with what's going on in the various states. Like Colorado, it's a great example. Jacob and I, we live in Colorado, and I think things are going to get really interesting here in the next few months in Colorado. In Washington State, uh, you know, we had this initiative 1639 passed, Jacob, and uh, the NRA apparently, and also the Second Amendment Foundation, both filing lawsuit this last Thursday in U.S. District Court challenging this initiative. Now, this is interesting because this, this initiative is, this is something that the voters voted for by, 60, by about a margin of 20%, 60 to 40 was basically the margin uh, in Washington State voting in favor of this initiative. It's, it's a really, really bad uh, bad initiative. I, I, I just, there's some things there. There's some, some holes that they really opened up, uh, that put the second amendment at great risk there in the state of Washington. What do you think of this uh, lawsuit? So this, this bill is specifically the one that raises the, uh, age to 21 in order to be able to buy certain rifles. And we've seen, I think that this is just the NRA's playbook. Every time any state jurisdiction, city, town, or you know anybody has tried to say we won't sell guns to people under the age of 21. Uh, you know, someone has stepped in and filed a lawsuit. We, we there's lawsuits pending against Walmart and Dick's Sporting Goods. Now we have a lawsuit against the, the state of Washington. So I think the this is just something that's part of the playbook to challenge this kind of law, regist- you know, rule, 
or you know, policy in the case of Walmart and exporting goods. So none of those that I'm aware of have been sorted out. So it's all kind of pending to see what happens. Now, I think I think it stands to to be viable as a, as a lawsuit, right? If the law says that someone who's 18, 19, or 20 can buy something, and the, the, you know a, gov- a governing body steps in and says no, they can't, then on one hand it's like, well, if the federal law says they can, then you're going against it's a federal law, but we're, we're not just talking about any old wishy-washy law. We're talking about a guaranteed right that's specified in the constitution. And so I, I yeah, viable. We'll see where this shakes out. Yeah. Well, and I think this law is way worse than just raising the age on semi-automatic rifle purchases. Uh, they talk about this enhanced background check. And I don't even know what that means. In fact, it even says in the, the uh, story we're reading here from, uh, king5.com, which is a Seattle uh, news uh, channel, uh, it refers to creating enhanced background checks to, for rifles to be in line with the checks for handguns in the state. Now, maybe maybe Washington State does have a, an enhanced, a so-called enhanced background check in the state of Washington for handgun purchases. Maybe that's what it's referring to. I'm, I'm unaware of that sort of thing. But there is no so-called enhanced background check on a federal level for any certain class of, of firearm, except for if you're, you know, buying a, you know, a Title III or NFA controlled item. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what those enhanced background checks look, look like. It's interesting. There's a waiting period now also being incorporated. I think it's, uh, what was it, a minimum of 10 days? And, and then also, uh, we talked about this all last week as well. Oh, and the other thing too is uh, that was really concerning to me, Jacob, is so secure storage. Well, that that's a big piece, and also a requirement for, as of right now, an unknown standard of training for you to be able to buy a semi-automatic rifle in the state of Washington. Right. So this is just really going to a whole new level. Yeah, I, I for me, what I see is the NRA's primary angle to attack this is the issue of restricting sales to people under the age of 21. Right. Um, but yeah, the whole law sucks and is, is stupid. But if you look at all the quotes from the NRA, you know, out of the lawsuit, it seems that their their real angle here is the issue with with refusing to sell rifles to 18, 19, and 20 year olds. Totally. Well, I think that's completely fair and valid. But it, it brings up an interesting thing, and I've commented on this before. It's like. Okay, so if now all of a sudden this is a constitutional issue of, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds not being able to buy a rifle, why have not we gone after handguns? You know, you have a, it's a, to me, the same argument applies. But anyway, we're not seeing that sort of. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the combination of the constitutional issue, but also the federal law that specifies sure. something, sure. right? And, and so that in the, in the case of the rifles to ages 18, 19, and 20, those two things align, and they're both conflicting yeah, yeah. with the state law. Oh, and I, I agree. All right, so here's some really uh, interesting stuff out of Ohio. We've got two, two interesting stories out of Ohio. First of all, Toledo, Ohio mayor, uh, he plays politics with officer safety, it says here, via new firearm procurement measures. Now, this has been – we've seen this in a variety of places, typically in California and or New York. Uh, where essentially the idea is that you get a liberal, uh, sorry, I use the term liberal. <laughs> you get, as far as gun rights are concerned, you get someone that is anti-gun in office, a mayor, a city council person, a governor, whatever it is. And they see this opportunity to, well, maybe we can affect gun control in our state, not by passing a new law, but by changing procurement requirements so that it discourages some of these 
gun manufacturers from doing business in our state or in our city or whatever it is. And that's basically what we have going on here in, in the city of Toledo, Ohio, where uh, Mayor Wade Kapsush, I'm not even going to say his name. It's a crazy name. <laughs> Mayor Wade uh, announced he would use the city's firearm and ammunition procurement process to pressure vendors into adopting practices not required by law to restrict civilian access to their products. And so the concern here is that by them taking a stance like this, they may find it difficult to do business with some of these manufacturers, thereby limiting the options available to their officers for protection and safety of their city. Yeah, it's basically, hey, we have a lot of money. We're going to buy a bunch of guns as law enforcement officers. Um, as, a, as a manufacturer who makes and sells guns, you obviously want to at least be in the running to sell us guns because we're going to buy a ton of them. But we're going to take that leverage we have, that power we have with, with our spending power and say, well, we won't buy guns if you don't meet these other standards we expect you to meet. Uh, as it relates to the guns you make available to our civilians. And so the argument from the NRA's perspective is, wait a minute, when you do that, what you're saying is you care more about your gun control agenda than you do about buying the best tools that you can put into the hands of your law enforcement officers, which is more important, the safety of of the officer or your gun control agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just really think this is a really lame and, and a poor way of going after Gun, you know, trying to enforce gun, like it, I just don't even see it really working. Uh, so I, I don't think gun manufacturers are really going to go along with that. But uh, it doesn't work. It hasn't worked in the past. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Six Hour is going to suddenly say, "Oh, because we want to sell 150 P two two sixes to the Toledo, you know, law, you know, city city police department." For now on, we promise to never. So any you know guns with that have capacity of greater than X arbitrary amount in the whole state of Ohio? No, that's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it's it doesn't even make sense from the business perspective. Yep. 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 All right. So that's a fun one. Now, better news in Ohio is that recently, this last week, the the Ohio House passed legislation that would make stand your ground the law of the land in the state of Ohio, and also removes the burden of proof from being on the, on the accused of you know, the individual that uses self-defense uh, and places it on the prosecution in cases of self-defense. This is big news out of Ohio. Yeah, it certainly would make a lot, a lot of things easier for people like Andrew Branca whenever, you know, they have to explain, you know, gun law. And it's always like, well, in 49 of the states, you know, you're, you're considered innocent until proven guilty. The burden is on the prosecutor, except for Ohio. Ohio is the one where, you know, so it would just, you know, it would sure make life a little bit easier if Ohio would get its act together and, and, you know, force the prosecution to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone is guilty, you know, as intended by, in my opinion, by the constitution. Uh, but also eliminating the duty to retreat yes. is nice. That would make Ohio the 38th state to have some sort of standing ground legislation, in, you know, by by case law or by by statute and so this is this is good stuff yeah i'm sorry it also creates a kind of a legal presumption or kind of a state preemption issue where it would allow people to challenge local gun control ordinances uh that are in line with the state's laws so anyway it's a it's a big package that is very much so needed in ohio and i'll add it's not it shouldn't sound like anything crazy it's not like oh and we Herefore, it's allowed that all people can have 50-round mags in their guns no matter what. No, I mean, we're, we're asking for very 
very kind of standard law that is already the true in the vast majority of other states to also be true here. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, this obviously will still have to go through the Senate as well as uh, be signed by still current Governor Kasich there in Ohio. He's the outgoing governor. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this would this still has a ways to go before it becomes a law of the land. But it, it is hopeful that this may get passed. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. All right. So here's an interesting story, Jacob. I just came across this this morning. Uh, apparently, a couple nights ago on the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, uh, he had a guest on the program uh, by the name of Blake Mikoski, who is the founder of Tom's Shoes, which, by the way, I, I've, I've followed Tom's Shoes for, for a few years now. I think they are a wonderful company in their mission. They got their kind of, their, their, their thing is they started selling shoes. And for every shoe they sold or sell, they give a pair of shoes also to a child, a, a, a poor child in a poor, you know, in a basically a third world country. And to date, apparently they've given away 86 million pairs of shoes worldwide. That, that, I, I heard that and I was like, that's insane. That's amazing. You know, I think that is such a, a, an honorable thing for a company like them to do, to give away 86 million pairs of shoes. I guess that means that they've sold 86 million pairs of shoes. That's pretty cool as well. Well, on The Tonight Show, he made a big announcement. I'm going to go ahead and just play this audio now. Okay, this is straight from The Tonight Show. This will tell you all you need to know. That you're going to announce with us. and uh, First time ever. And I will be the first one ever to do this. Yeah. But explain what's happening. Yeah. So, all right. Oh, Marshall. Uh, 12 days ago, the shootings happened in Thousand Oaks, and my wife called me, and she was scared, and she said, I'm not taking our son to school today. This happened two weeks ago in a synagogue in a yoga studio, and someone has to do something about it. And I got off the phone with her, and I was emotional, and I sat there, and I thought, and I said, you know what? Damn it. We're going to do something about it. And so tonight, we're announcing that we're going to evolve our giving model. So Tom's not only will continue to give shoes, but we will give considerable resources to the causes and the most important issues of our time. And we're going to start by giving $5 million to the most amazing organizations who are working hard on the ground every day to end gun violence. And this will be the single largest corporate gift to end gun violence in the history of the United States. Okay. What's your take on, I mean, just what's your response to uh, hearing that, Jacob? Well, I think this dude's got his heart in the right place. And I think most, a lot of these people do. I know that we get really angry at anti-gunners, but you, you got to hear something like this. And, you know, you can say he was acting, you can say whatever you want. But I, I, I inherently believe that the vast majority of people out there that are, uh, you know, gun grabbers, as we would call them, that are anti-gun, they're trying to pass, you know, sensible, common sense gun control, are for the most part good people whose heart in the right place and, and inherently believe that they would do something good, um, that they're trying to help and, and they want to end gun violence. And so I guess my hat's off to those people, even though we may disagree. It's like, you know, I really appreciate you trying to do something. I actually have res more respect for this guy now than I did before. It's like, I love that this company was giving shoes to needed to, to you know, children in need. Awesome. Like that, I, that made me really love Tom's. I now respect them even more knowing that they're willing to put their money 
uh, down for something they believe in. Now, I disagree on what they're doing. I don't think it's the best method. And I won't be buying any Tom's shoes anytime soon because I don't want my money to go to, to support something I don't believe in. But in terms of the respect of the individual, it increases. And, and, and I'll, you know, right there we heard, you know, just we're going to give money to these groups that are trying to end gun violence. And the groups are listed here. But he specifically goes on to talk about the uh, universal background checks. Yeah. You, you can now go to toms.com and you can have a physical postcard sent uh, to members of Congress urging the adoption of universal background checks. And I wonder if this dude knows that, you know, the, the things he's talking about, the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh, the shooting in Thousand Oaks, is he aware that those people pass background checks? Is he aware that a universal background check law would not have changed the outcome in any way, shape, or form? And generally speaking, universal background checks would not change the outcome of any mass shooting that I'm aware of. Yeah. I don't think you can name one that, like, with any, that has any high profile at all that the majority of Americans have heard of that in any way would have been affected by having a universal background check law. Right. Right. No, it's, it's so true. I mean, even if you go back to, uh, say, Columbine, right, where you had underage boys that had acquired, they acquired all those guns illegally, right, you know, that they used. So, like, even if there was so-called, and I remember Colorado passed some laws following Columbine that uh, had to do with, you know, that's where the supposed, you know, gun show loophole uh, that Colorado supposedly closed uh, that's when that happened was following Columbine when that was p- passed. So that supposedly we could keep guns from ending up in the hands of mass murderers, like, you know, the Columbine shooters, but even that would not necessarily prevent it from happening. So yeah, you're exactly right. And that's, that's kind of how I view this as well. Um, I'm not going to give this guy, uh, Blake Mikowski, uh, any, any grief on his principles because I think he is a genuine, well-meaning person. I think he's doing this thinking he's doing the right thing, and I can't fault him for that. But I definitely know and believe that he is misguided and misinformed in his beliefs on this and, and what he thinks he can do to affect change uh, and, and what he hopes is the results of that change. He, he, the whole movement here is to try to stop gun violence. That that's that's what they're saying. You know, that's his logo thing that he's got. On, if you go to the site, if if you look at him on the Tonight Show, he's wearing a T-shirt. You know, it's these two. You know, it's the peace sign. Uh, it's an image of a hand with making the peace sign with the words "and gun violence" together over top. Right. So that's supposedly the goal. But if you really look at statistics, if you look at reality, universal background checks may not have the effect on gun violence at, that they hoped that it would have. In fact, uh, Colorado, five plus years ago now, passed universal background checks for the state of Colorado. And what I could tell you, just from some simple digging into crime statistics in the state of Colorado, it has not made one bit of difference in Colorado by passing that universal background no, check law. That's, that's the problem here. The problem is not that the majority of gun grabbers uh, want to take away all our guns. That's not the case. The, the majority of gun grabbers don't want to take all their guns. They just think that a couple of these very simple you know, so-called common sense uh, you know, pieces of legislation would dramatically end gun violence. And that's the problem is that they don't, they're wrong. They're, they're misinformed. They don't realize that the people who are pushing the agenda are smart enough to know that this legislation won't do jack diddly squat and that their end goal is to get us on the slippery slope to a point of taking away guns. But the masses, the, the, the majority of the people out there, they're following the agenda 
And to, to them, it's just about a couple of these simple little loopholes that we got to close that are going to end so much violence. And they don't, they're just misinformed. They're unaware of the fact that these things that are being proposed won't do anything. They, they will have zero effect. Right. Yep. The other issue that I take, you know, to some of this, well, we see a tweet here from Tia Leone, who's a, you know, actress, and she's promoting this as well. Uh, and, and also Blake mentioned this in his announcement on the Tonight Show that, hey, this is something that 90% of Americans agree on, which is universal background checks. And I've, I've heard that statistic thrown out there a number of times from a variety of sources, Jacob, but I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I don't know exactly where that 90% number comes from. I don't know if that just got made up or if that came from a faulty study of some sort and now it's getting used and, and, and proliferated out there. I don't buy it for one second that 90% of Americans are on board with it. What do you think? Uh, I don't, I don't buy it either. Um, I mean, but I, I would happily believe like if someone told me that the majority, that more than half of Americans would support universal background checks, I would say, I believe that, that, I, yeah. that, I bet the listeners of our podcast right now who would support universal background checks would say, Hey, what, what is the problem with this legislation? And, and so I'm, I'm sympathetic to the, the conceptual idea that the majority of Americans are probably for their pro universal background check. Uh, I, I believe that. And so whether it's not even 60%, I, I, I do inherently believe it's probably more than half. Yeah. And I, and I think that's reasonable too, that, that probably more than half is, that seems reasonable to me, but 90% does not seem reasonable to me. That, that's, that's, that would indicate almost a consensus uh, on, on this issue. And I don't, think that that's the case in America. So I don't know where that statistic came from. And, and I agree, we probably have uh, listeners of this very podcast that uh, think, you know, or would be okay with universal background checks. I would maybe even say, and I've heard this argument too from, from gun owners, well, what, what's the harm? Like, you know, we're, we're law-abiding people anyway. Uh, we're willing to follow the rules. We're cool with this. It's not honestly that big of a deal. It's not that much of a, of a, a hindrance to me. And, and that's, I, that's understandable, but what we're trying to also point out here is, and I, I'm actually starting to dig into some statistics in states like California, uh, Colorado, uh, Maryland, uh, Massachusetts, New York as well too. To some, you know, but I'm looking at some of these states. I'm curious to see when they passed certain types of laws, and the you know, and then also looking at any sort of correlation with crime rates. And I'll just tell you from what I'm seeing early on, there, there seems to not be really anything that we can say whatsoever about, hey, such and such state passed this law and magically their crime rate, their violence rate, whatever, just went down or changed in some way. In fact, in some cases, like in California, in the last few years, even while gun control in California in the last few years has gotten even more strict, uh, in the last two or three years, they're, 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 uh, if you look at crimes of violence, right, aggravated assault, homicide, et cetera, that is going up in the last couple of years. Uh, there was a trend for a time where it was kind of going down or holding steady, and then all of a sudden, the last few years, it's going up. And this, even in the face of some additional gun control that's been passed in the state. So anyway, all right, I digress. Let's, let's uh, move on. Let's get now to, this is actually a what not to do story. All right. From WESH.com. This is a news station in uh, the Orlando, Florida area. And this apparently happened in St. Cloud, Florida. Woman 
fatally shoots her 27-year-old daughter after mistaking her for an intruder, police say. It says here, according to the story, that the woman was asleep in her bed when she thought someone had broken into her house and was quickly approaching her. According to police, the homeowner fired one round at the subject, who was later identified as the homeowner's 27-year-old daughter. She was taken to a local hospital where she later succumbed to her injuries. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, and this too, just, in fact, there's even a quote here from uh, one of their neighbors. I mean, it's the holidays. It's very sad for any family member, especially a mother, you know, to accidentally kill their daughter. My goodness. So this goes right in line with, I mean, we've preached on this very consistently on the podcast, Jacob, about the, you, you like to call it the triple S disease. And that's, this, that seems like that, that's exactly what happened in this incident as well. Yeah, maybe one day I'll be famous for triple S disease or IFDR or BGs, or maybe not. Maybe they'll never catch on. They're just like, that's weird crap that Jacob says. The BGs is but, weird. I mean, the, the BGs, BGs is weird. Cool, but, but referring to bad guys as BGs, not cool. <laughs> Sorry, dude. The, the band is great. But, you know, bad guys and bad gals. I'm just trying to be, you know, not, not sexist here. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that there's more to add here because we don't have any real details, you know, specific about, you know, what happened or who was where or what, if verbal commands were used or any of those things. I think the takeaway is just, hey, here's one more. Uh, we get, you know, probably three or four of these a year. And uh, here's one more that just really helps us all hopefully just check ourselves and say, wait a minute, when I hear the bump of the night, what's my plan? You know, do I have, a, do I have a, an emergency response plan in place that is going to, among other things, ensure that I properly identify my target. And, and if I don't, or if I have any concerns about my ability to do that properly, how am I going to change my response plan? Yeah. It would seem to me, I mean, so we do have some detail here as far as it, it says that she was asleep in her bed and she thought someone had broken into her house and was quickly approaching her. Um, so yeah, it's true. Like we don't know exactly where this happened if she was still in bed or in the bedroom. But here's one thing I could tell you, you know, I would just throw this out there as food for thought. If you're one of those individuals that carry or that has the gun on the nightstand and as long as you're responsible, like I honestly don't care about that. But here's just one thing to think about. And I get the whole, well, you know, have there been incidents where people have w awakened in the night and they found a bad guy standing over them and even beginning to stab or, you know, bludgeon them or whatever. Uh, yeah, I get that. And those are definitely uh, pretty scary situations that happen rarely, but they do happen. But this is just some food for thought. If you've got that gun on the nightstand and you are awakened to a shadowy figure in your room or standing over you and you just react and you reach over and grab that gun before you might even be able to know what's going on or, or comprehend or even have the chance to have a, to exchange words with, with that person, you may be firing shots on, on, on a loved one, right? As opposed to, I don't sleep with my gun on the nightstand. I don't sleep with it under the pillow. I, I think that's wholly irresponsible based on my current circumstances. I've got five little ones at home, so I've got to take some, some measure, reasonable measures to protect them. But, having to retrieve it from a quick access safe, which I can still do pretty quickly, I think gives me a little bit of that time, Jacob, that something is going to happen as far as if it's a child or if it's a loved one that I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, in the time frame, in the two, three, four, five seconds that I am trying to retrieve that gun from my quick access safe, I'm probably going to learn who they are. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of, that's a viable, viable thought. I mean, I think, I think there's bigger and more important strategical 
questions at play on this topic. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, verbal commands and, and, you know, you know, setting up a choke point in a safe room and, you know, not, not going in search of threats. Like, you know, all those other things that we all preach on all the time are, are probably, you know. Well, also more simply, how about, you know, just having a light on your gun or having a light in your hand so you can actually identify what it is you're about to shoot at. I, I can guarantee you based on this story that this woman did not have a light shining on her daughter when she pulled the trigger. No, she didn't know. Um, uh, two other interesting, just little tidbits here. One that stood out to me is it was very specific. The number of times the daughter was shot, she was shot once Yeah. and she succumbed to the wounds eventually. And it, it's not, I mean, you, generally speaking, we're pretty good as a society at uh, keeping people alive when they only got one hole in them. So that's uh, really unfortunate, but it's just an interesting little tidbit. And the other thing is that probably this woman, though it's not clear if it's this woman or a different woman in the household, but probably this woman, the shooter, works for a law enforcement agency. Uh, I think I said she was in, she's, you know, works in dispatch or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. And, and so that, yeah, that is another interesting tidbit of info as far as, yeah, dispatcher is not, a cop, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, like she, she should have known better than to be shooting at shadowy figures in the, in the dark at night in the home, right? Have a light, keep it near the gun or keep one on the gun at the very least. And I like both. There's plenty of times I put my gun away in my quick access safe with a weapon mounted light on it and a flashlight right. And like that flashlight never leaves that spot. In fact, it's a streamlight HLX or HL. Yeah. HLX great flashlight very bright if i reach my hand to that gun or into that safe one hand is going on the gun and instinctively the other hand is going for that light you got to have both tools you you have to use both tools of course you can watch our complete home defense course Uh, if you haven't uh, bought that well here's a shameless plug for it (laughs) you can go get that home defense course and we talk about the use of lights and different strategies and techniques so yeah, have that light. You know, 35 minutes or so. Yeah. 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 Very detailed. So anyway, all right. Sad story there. Don't do this. That's so that's why it's in the don't do this category. All right. Here's here's one out of uh I think it's South Carolina. Uh this is Spartanburg County area. And we have a situation where two neighbors discovered an apparent break into a home. Uh in fact a witness called a homeowner about what was happening. They, they heard loud banging, banging at a residence nearby. So one of the neighbors saw this or heard this. They called an, another neighbor. The two neighbors together walked over to the property to investigate. When they got, which by the way, I, I think is completely reasonable. <laughs> I think many people are, you know, try to be good neighbors and they, they might very well do the same thing, but it's kind of what came after that that gets a little bit dicey. They got there, they saw a man trying to get inside a boarded up window, and they commanded him to leave with his hands up. Instead, the man ran away towards the highway, and the two neighbors each, it's almost like they coordinated this, Jacob, (laughs) the two neighbors each fired one shot into the ground. Nothing was stolen, but the deputies say the suspect left behind some some belongings, and probably they're going to track him down, who knows. So, yeah, it's in the don't do this segment, because, because why, Jacob? This is a big what the, <laughs> like for me, it's like, 
<laughs> you know, okay, I, I think the big the big obvious one here is the warning shots, right? I mean, th- these shots were not intended to, to shoot, you know, a stray animal that's on the ground. Uh, these shots were intended to prevent this person from escaping, to intimidate the BG from leaving, right? You clearly don't want to run away from us. We might shoot you in the back. Here, see? That shot, that's from my gun. Don't run away. And that, that's mind-numbing, right? I, I, we, I, we all know that warning shots are a bad idea. This is a great example where, you know, they didn't even work. I mean, warning shots are effective. The PG just kept running. Like, what was the intent here? To scare the person into submission? Right. So, so not only are they tactically unwise, they're also morally concerning, uh, but we also have an issue where they're ineffective and potentially legally condemning. Uh, I mean, felony menacing, uh, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. I mean, th- these people aren't legally justified in firing shots into the ground or elsewhere to try and intimidate this person into submitting it, submitting themselves into custody. Yeah, that's not that's not legal. Now they probably won't be charged. Doesn't say anything here about them facing charges, but it's 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 illegal and potentially a felony. So it's not okay. It's not safe. It's not tactical. Um, and, and and to be clear, the home that this person was trying to break into was a vacant home. So you said it's reasonable that, you know, call the neighbor and say, hey, I hear some sound over at that vacant house next door. Let's go check it out. I suppose to some degree, it, yeah, I don't, I don't have any huge issue with it. But I, I have to ask the question too, like, was that necessary? Couldn't you just call the cops or couldn't you kind of shine a light up there and see what was going on without even leaving your house? Arguably? I, I just think that, you know, the, the idea of like, hey, grab your gun. I'm grabbing my gun, dude. Like, let's let's meet outside and let's go check out the sound. Like. At a vacant house, I, I don't know. I don't. I just don't know that it, it, it's questionable to me. Well, yeah, you know, like I said, I I, I think what these guys did is kind of reasonable as far as going to check things out. But your point brings up another good point, and that is, you know, it, it should just give us pause. You know, to to we should just pause and think about these things before we before we go inserting ourselves in situations we don't know what's going on, and and it involves other people that aren't, you know, like this is not our property that we're investigating. This is not, you know, it's not something that's affecting us directly. It's, it is. Yeah. So we're just opening the door for failures to occur failures in um, not understanding the law or making poor just, you know, decisions or choices as it relates to the law. I mean, these, these shots being fired, it doesn't say whether these guys are going to be charged. Maybe they're, I mean, perhaps they will not be charged. Uh, Nobody, and I don't know if this was a kind of rural area or, or what. Uh, obviously, there were some neighbors somewhat close by, but you know they fired these shots into the ground. Uh, chances are, there's really no harm, no foul, sort of thing, right? But is, these were not the wisest of, of, of decisions or choices. In fact, there's no mention at all whether this this man trying to break into the house was any sort of threat whatsoever towards these guys. There's no mention of a, of a weapon. There's no mention of him acting threatening towards them. Just that when they confronted him, they told him, hey, put your hands up. And then he just ran off. The problem is when we go to investigate things like this and we have a gun basically in hand is that we really are kind of programming ourselves to almost feel like we have to do something like like we have to follow through in some way. And so you, you encounter the situation. You say, hey, put your hands up or stop what you're doing. And when they don't comply, well, there's many, many, many instances where people just, they go right to, you know, they may not fire at the guy like they did in this case. They did not fire at him, but 
they fire their rounds into the ground. They fire these warning shots because what else are you going to do? You just told him to stop and he didn't stop. He ran off. You got anyway. So just some things to think about there. All right, let's get now to some justified stories. Uh, we got one here. This was in South Boston. This is kind of almost Jacob also in the same category to some degree uh, in that you have a story where a man in South Boston uh basically sees or perceives that there is a break-in into a vehicle occurring, all right? And it's not his vehicle. Let's make, make that clear. That, that, that's kind of an interesting point of this whole story. He just knows that someone is breaking into a vehicle, sees out the window that, the man, that a man breaking into the vehicle is removing a computer case from the, from the vehicle. He then goes out and chases the suspect who fled on foot. Then the witness told police the suspect turned around, then brandished a knife, and that prompted the witness to fire a single shot, which did not strike anybody. And then I guess that's the end of the situation. So they're looking for this man that broke into the vehicle and stole this computer or whatever. But you have a would-be do-gooder neighbor that saw this happening outside his window, decided to intervene, and you know, got himself in kind of a precarious situation. Yeah. And I, I feel a little bit bad about this one, but you know, this, this is essentially our job on this podcast is to, you know, analyze these things and try and extract good lessons to learn, um, without trying to pass any moral judgment on, on the individuals at hand. So the good doer here, you know, the gun owner who's got his, his license or whatever, permit, whatever it might be, who's chasing this person down the road. I think that's, there's a lot of lessons to, to consider here and, and to reflect on. I, and there's the same one we always harp on, which is why are we chasing this person at all? Uh, why, why are we chasing? In fact, why, when we saw them breaking into a car, why did we go confront them at all? Uh, you know, aren't we opening ourselves up to, to potential danger? Let's just assume this guy didn't have a knife. Let's say he had a gun. Yeah. Okay. And you, you looked, you know, you look out your window or maybe you're walking down the street and you see over there across the street, that one guy looks like someone's breaking in that car. And let's just play out this guy had a gun. And so you, you decide, oh, I'm going to go do something about this. So I'm going to go confront this person because I got my gun. So you go confront them. And as they turn around, they just start shooting at you blindly. And you get shot. Like, you, you, you know, as Andrew Brank would say, you just incurred a greater than zero chance of, of dying or spending the rest of your life uh, in jail. And so instead, if you had just said, I'm going to sit here at a distance and I'm going to call 911 and just observe and report, uh, you would have been in a, in a much better position, right? Your odds of survival would have been much higher. Um, and so I think there's two tactical decisions here that were reportedly made. One is let's go confront this person at all, you know, over something in a vehicle, an unoccupied vehicle. And then second is let's give chase. You know, we don't want this person getting away. We got to, we got to make sure we bring them to justice. Now that said, if, if I'm, if I happen to be in those shoes and someone pulled a knife on me, that, that, that I think is fully justified. I think the shots are justified. Yeah. I think from a very real perspective, it's probably all a okay. Yep. Well, that's exactly why we find this story in the Justified Safe's story or, or segment here, because the use of deadly force from this man was likely justified and possibly saved his life. I mean, this man stopped, turned around and started, you know, as if he was going to come at him with a knife and he used a gun to defend himself from that, you know, that, that shot he fired. Yeah, he missed his target, which is unfortunate, but that stopped the the you know, this now thief turned into possible murderer or at the very least an aggravated assault. He stopped that from happening. But uh, to your point, should he have found himself in that situation in the first place? 
yeah, we have insurance to protect and replace things. We only have insurance that puts us back together at the hospital when we get hurt. And sometimes they're not able to put us back together. So yeah, like why increase risk over stuff? Like it, it just is a really out of balance, out of balanced equation to go, I'm going to increase my personal physical safety and, you know, increase that risk over some dude's backpack or, or excuse me, laptop out of his car. Like really? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it just is not a, and I, I get that people want to help out. They really do. It just, we got to stop and think sometimes and, and put it in perspective, right? That's, that's the key here is what's the perspective. Is it better that I stay in one piece or that I save a laptop that can be replaced? Anyway, shooting out of spring, Texas, uh, two would be robbers reportedly shot and killed in North Harris County. Uh, this happened at, at an apartment complex. Apparently there were four people inside of an, of a third floor apartment at this place, they were confronted by the suspects. It sounds like these suspects came to the apartment. One of the occupants, one of these four people inside the apartment was armed and he ended up shooting both men. It does say that the shooting appears to have taken place in a stairwell, which is interesting. Uh, but one man died outside of the building after trying to flee. The other was pronounced dead at a Woodlands hospital. Both are deceased and are said to have been in their 20s. So, and then there's still an ongoing uh, uh, investigation of course so it, i mean it, from the facts we have as we know right now it appears and there's no mention at all of the man that used you know the cell that that, that shot you know the, the occupant of the apartment there's no mention whatsoever that he's under investigation or he's being charged or expected to be charged so we've put this in the justified save category but it is interesting that it sounds like the shooting itself took place outside of the apartment. Yeah, we don't, we don't know the fact. I mean, for all we know, armed guys go in there and, and force everybody out of the apartment, say, you know, all of you are leaving right now. I mean, who yeah, knows? Yeah. Right? Clearly, what, what is clear is that the BGs were attempting to commit a crime. They were trying to do it by force. And that uh, a justified, good armed gun owner uh, said, no, I'm not. We're, you know, the, I think that the right decision right now is to shoot back. Or to, um, to to take this into my hands and be proactive to to protect myself and the other people in this apartment. So from that kind of perspective, it's like, yeah, this sounds like a hats off. That one weird little tidbit of the shooting took place in the stairwell does raise some eyebrows and make you wonder what the fact pattern is. You know what exactly went down. But uh, yeah, as far as we know, it, it would appear justified. And, and this is another instance of a gun uh, doing the job it's meant to do. Yep. Also in Texas, uh, Houston, in fact, a man shoots suspected robber outside of his Southeast Houston apartment complex. Now, we've had three or four stories like this, Jacob, in the last several months where people are attacked or robbed or whatever, uh, basically as they are arriving at home, and, and a lot of times seems to be happening in apartments, you know, they, they've got a large parking lot, right? And uh, people are getting out of their cars or about to get out of their cars where they are faced with this deadly threat. Now, in this case, it was an 18-year-old robbery suspect. Uh, he had a gun. And basically, this man was arriving at home. He's a 27-year-old man. He was, he was parking in the apartment complex's parking lot and was getting ready to get out of his vehicle when another vehicle stopped in front of him, blocking him. It actually says it stopped in front of him and then it pulled around behind him and, and stopped again. Then this 18-year-old suspect got out of the car with a gun and this caused the man, to, the 27-year-old man, to draw his own gun and shoot at him, striking him in the left leg. Uh, the uh, suspect was uh, uh, 
transported to hospital. He's in custody. He will be charged with aggravated assault. But uh, yet here another another situation where you know this is a this is a prime. You know we actually had the story too, Jacob, where the man was uh, attacked as he was trying to get into his car at his home from a man that came out of the bushes. So, folks, if you have a vehicle that's parked outside of your garage, if you don't have a garage, for instance, if it's parked outside in the open, whether it's your property, your whatever, or if it's in the parking lot of a, an apartment, whatever it is, these are prime opportunities. Apparently these, these folks are trying to take advantage of you. And you, you know, you're in a situation where a lot of times, you know, folks get home, uh, they park their vehicle, they are momentarily distracted, maybe even feeling a little bit in a, in a bit of a comfort zone. And maybe their, their level, their, um, their level of, you know, defense, their self-defense, you know, their, their guard has been let, let down. Right. So yeah, this is a quite a, quite a story. I think just goes right. I'm, I'm going to almost start creating a category, Jacob, of situations like this. Cause I find them really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We could make a shameless plug for vehicle firearm tactics right about now, but it, it, it I, I do find it very interesting. And at the end of the day, you know, the unidentified good guy with the gun, you know, did what he thought was yeah. necessary. Someone pointed a gun at him. Right. He, he was like, what is going on? This is really weird. This guy's acting really strangely. Oh, this guy's wanting a gun at me. And so, you know, it's it's game over at that point. Like you act, you act decisively. Yep. And he, he did what he had to do. Yep. All right. I'm going to skip past this uh, last story, Jacob, and move right on to this kind of bonus story. Uh, we've got this story from Bend, Oregon. We covered this uh, a few weeks ago. This was really, some of you I'm sure will remember, this was quite the story where the neighbor of two men that lived in this house, uh, and actually in this news story, we're getting these updates in. Uh, it sounds like there's actually uh, four roommates that lived in this, uh, in this home. Okay? And the home was owned by the parents of two of these roommates, and then they had two additional guys you know, that were there living with them. Okay, so four guys live in this home. Uh, one of the, only one of them is home at the time, and he is awakened at night by the neighbor who has come in and is standing over, over him and mumbling a bunch of gibberish, okay? And he, he says, you know, get out, leave, whatever, and the, and the guy does. The occupant of the home now calls one of his roommates who comes home, and as they are standing in front of a front window of the home talking about what happened, and I believe a call had been made to police to say, hey, you know, we had a strange man in the house, you know, but they're standing there talking about the situation. And as that's happening, as this man that just came home to, you know, see what's going on is talking to his roommate, to his friend, his friend gets shot in the face through the front window by the neighbor who's come back with an AR-15. And at that point, the man, you know, that didn't get, get shot, the man that got shot, by the way, is, is the original man that, uh, uh, you know, had, had been in his bed to sleep when he got awakened, right? And so, um, basically, now the man that came home sees his friend get shot, runs upstairs to the bedroom, grabs his gun, and then waits in the bathroom as this man, the neighbor with the AR-15, is stalking him through the house and apparently fires like a dozen shots or so downstairs and is coming closer and closer and closer. Boy, such an intense moment. He eventually comes through the door and this man shoots him. And it's very specific with his Springfield Armory XDS handgun. 
And uh, the man died right there. But what we have here is, I don't know if you have any thoughts before we play this uh, part of this 911 call, Jacob. Uh, but uh, basically, I've got, we've got this 911 call. There's actually two calls. But I want to play a part of one of these. This just really kind of drives home how, you know, how intense this was. So here we go. 911, what's the address of the emergency? 20774 Northeast Sierra Drive. There's been a shooting. Some guy broke into my house. He, I think he took out my roommate downstairs. I hid in my, my, uh, my bathroom. Uh, he kind of just came, this guy came in the room. I have a, a concealed weapons firearm and uh, I've got him subdued. Um, okay, tell me the address again, okay? What is the address? What is the address again? 20774 Northeast Sierra Drive. His body is barricading my door to my room, so I'm kind of stuck at the moment. Okay, are you saying you shot him? I did, yes, in self-defense. He walked in with an AR-15. Is he down? He's down. He's, he's, he's bleeding a lot. I don't know where I, I shot him. I was hiding in the bathroom because he came in. He shot about 15 rounds downstairs. I don't know what the situation is. Do you know this person? No, I don't know who he is. I have no idea. Um, a few uh, minutes earlier, I got a text message from my roommate saying a guy came into the house, broke into the house, went into his room and said he heard screaming. And he said, no, there's no one here. What are you doing in my house? The guy then backed out of the door, uh, out of the screen door. And then my roommate. Okay. This was, so so uh, the guy that's down, is he, yeah. is he breathing? He is. He's, he's struggling for breath, but he's, he's bleeding a lot. And I, I don't know what to do. Okay. So the, he's breathing. He's awake. He is, he is awake. I don't, I, I, I've, I've secured his weapon. I've pushed it away from his, his person. So he's, he's that's sort of, yeah. <laughs> but he's bleeding a lot. He's bleeding. Yeah, I don't know where I okay. shot him. Um, and you're I, in I the same room with him. I am. Yes. Okay. We'll go ahead and cut it there. There's there's a lot more here. Of course, you can always check out the the show notes of today's episode by going to concealedcarry.com forward slash episode two seventy five. And this story is called nine one one audio tapes D- detail horrifying Bend Oregon break in and killing. And uh, you want to go listen to these, uh, they're, they're eye-opening. This is a great example of kind of the, I would say, almost chaos that's going on. And it's going on inside a person after something like this has occurred. I can't even imagine what this man was feeling, Jacob, after watching his friend be shot right in front of him and then feeling like he's being hunted down inside of his own home. What did you make of this and also about how he handled himself in the 911 call? Um, yeah, it's easy to be, you know, the, the Monday, the Monday night, you know, armchair quarterback. Right. And so it it just sounds like such a horrific experience, you know, to, you get a text message, you're at work. It's like, Hey, someone just came in the house, like while I was asleep and, and it was weird, like, come home. You run home and you're like, you're standing in the front room, like, so what happened? And they, you know, your roommates telling you all about it. You're like, Oh no, crazy. That's ridiculous. Oh, this is nuts. And then, boom, shot just ring out right through the glass. Your roommate goes down, and you're like, oh, crap. So you do say to do, right? You go take a position to cover. He may or may not have had the gun with him. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, per our narrative, he took a position to cover with the firearm. And, you know, you, you hear more noises, more shots. Person keeps coming, getting closer, gets, you know, comes closer. And as far as I can tell, in the doorway, uh, he shot back. You know, at, at the choke, at the point of the choke point, and it was a he, he was effective. He did his job, but he got the job done. 
And there's no doubt whatsoever in any of our minds listening to the narrative here that the, that the BG was there to kill him. You know, he was going to die if he didn't defend himself. He, if he had not had a gun, he was likely a dead man, right? So, so his Springfield firearm saved his life almost without doubt. Oh, for sure. And uh, so I think that that's that's just to me the most compelling part of this. As far as how, how he handled himself with the 911, I think it's a great illustration of a reality because because what what we love to do when we talk as fire instructors or when we have these you know when I see read the comments on our site or on Facebook or whatever it's like call call 911 tell them X Y and Z and hang up you know and we love to tell people to do that and that's what we talk about all the time. Uh, and, and that's what that's what I preach. I tell people, you know, this is what you should tell them, and then you should hang up the phone. But this this helps you understand. I think when you hear when you listen to nine one one calls, uh, and I've listened to a fair number, you start to realize that the situation is often so dynamic. You can't you can't just hang up sometimes. Because sometimes you might say, well, as far as I know, there's a second person in the house. There might be another person. And are you just going to hang up and let law enforcement not know that? Are you going to stay on the line and provide those kinds of details? Um, and, and this this call, you know, if you go listen to the whole thing, it gets really weird. I mean, when law enforcement shows up, it gets really funky. And, and you know, they were very concerned about this this kid, the good guy, having a gun and them coming into the house. So it was probably for the better that he stayed on the line with 911 because it, it worked out such that, you know, no one was shooting at him. Right. Yeah. And they gave him specific instructions. And it, you're right. It, it did get kind of, kind of interesting in that, you uh, yeah, police arrive on the scene and this guy stays on the phone with dispatch, which, I mean, one of the reasons why you might argue to stay on the phone with dispatch is is so you can have that two-way communication as far as, okay, what do you guys want me to do? As the person that just had to defend myself inside my home, you know, we had that situation with the man in Aurora, Colorado, right? Not that long ago, they got shot after he shot a bad guy in his home and law enforcement showed up on the scene and they shot him. And yet there's probably a lot of things that went wrong that night and, and a lot of things that could have been done differently. But one thing for sure is there is, there is power in you, the person being there on the scene, seeing what you can see, knowing what, you know, you know the situation a little bit better, right? So there's something to be said about being on the phone and being able to have that two-way communication. Okay, guys, I, or, you know, sir, I need you to now go and do this. In this incident, they had him actually put his gun down in his bedroom have him step over the dead body in the doorway, go downstairs, and he couldn't get out apparently through the front door because the lock wouldn't turn or something because the man had shot through the lock. Now, I don't know how... Oh, that's right. The man, I think, that got into the house came... I think he actually crawled to the window himself. He tried to shoot his way through the door, um, but it didn't work. And so then he went through the window that I think he, he had just shot out. And now the homeowner trying to get out can't get out the door and so they end up having him himself, I think, go out the window as well, uh, so he could get into uh, uh, custody with the uh, of the of the police. So, quite a scary and, like you said, dynamic situation, Jacob. There's just a lot going on here. And yes, we want everybody to get out of it as safely as possible. We want the uh, homeowner to just defend himself to not be shot by police. We want the police to also be safe in their jobs. Uh, so. Yeah. Anyway, really eye-opening stuff. You guys got to go listen to the 911 calls. Uh, links in the show notes in, in the story. Like, in fact, I'll, I'll go ahead and include the direct links below this story in the show notes. So it's super easy for you to find. You can just go and listen to this, these 911 calls. Very, very eye-opening for sure. 
And with that, we got we to gotta wrap it up. Uh, I've got a hard stop here. So, uh, folks, uh, thanks for joining us and being a part of, of this with us today. Uh, Jacob, uh, any last words you want to throw out there? No, just have a great holiday. I'm very grateful for all of our podcast listeners, all of our customers, all of our subscribers, all of our Guardian Nation members. Thank you all for being part of the ConcealedCarry.com community. Yeah. For sure. Yes. And indeed, from all of us here at ConcealedCarry.com, the Concealed Carry podcast, we wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving day. We hope that you are able to enjoy the time, enjoy the, the this opportunity with your family or loved ones or whomever it may be. And we'll see you, uh, we'll see you after the holiday here. So uh, and we hope that we'll see you also participate in our Black Friday sales. So once again, ConcealedCarry.com forward slash Black Friday. Go check it out. We hope to see you there. But otherwise, enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. And with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.